Ready graphics. Ready theme. And uh, I wanted, uh, I wanted more women. Uh, I wanted people of color. I wanted lots of different points of view. And I, you know, went on a, a search. You know, uh, I was in New York a lot interviewing. Uh, there was one point where I said, I just want to see women, and I just want to see women of color. Hi, I'm Jesse Mullins. And I'm Lauren Milberger. And we're back for part two with Diane English herself. Yes, we hope that you've listened to part one. If you're listening to this live, it is Thursday, and we recommend that after you listen tonight, you watch Murphy Brown Live. It is the season 11 finale. We're very excited. We will be watching ourselves. As you know, we're also doing some some episodes about the revival. We'll be doing our own on this finale. So if you're having thoughts while this episode is airing, Shoot us a message at, at murphybrownpod at gmail.com. We'd love to talk about your thoughts. You can also interact with us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at murphybrownpod. I think that's everything, Jesse. Yes, let's get back to Diane. We've been able to introduce a lot of the writing staff to mm-hmm. our listeners. Would you talk a little bit about sort of the balance in the room, particularly bringing a lot of people back to the mm-hmm. revival and what maybe you feel and, you know, succinct short words <laughs> brings to the table yeah well um you know the 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 original writing staff um each each of those writers had their own voice you know and that can be a challenge in a room when you're asking people to write in your voice you know oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. uh one of the things that i i i like to do was allow them to still keep their own voice so mm-hmm. You know, we never did what some shows do now, which is to sit in a room and write the script all together, yeah. line by line on a screen. I mean, that that's just, you're never going to ha- hear a voice come through. It, I would always take the last pass on every script just to make sure it sounded like yeah. a Murphy Brown, but there would be so many little quirks that, you know, a Tom Palmer um, script had to sound to me like a Tom Palmer script. Anna Murphy mm-hmm. Brown at the same time. So, uh, so those of us who are the original gang all really remember how to do that. And then we integrated some new people. And uh, I wanted uh, I wanted more women. Uh, I wanted people of color. I wanted lots of different points of view. And I, you know, went on a a search, you know. Uh, I was in New York a lot interviewing. Uh, there was one point where I said, I just want to see women, and I just want to see women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting thing was it was more challenging for women to change locations than it was for the men. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there were quite a f- not quite a few, but there were a, a, a handful of really good women writers I was interested in who couldn't if they were New York based, they couldn't go to LA for the eight weeks, oh. or vice versa. If they were LA based, they couldn't move to New York for various reasons: yeah. children, mm-hmm. husbands with jobs, so on and so forth. The men, on the other hand, had no problem. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we were lucky enough to get Laura Kraft and uh, Gina and Skander, uh, a mm-hmm. young team, um, and. Uh, yeah, we all became one big family, you know, and uh, they they turned in for newbies, very good first drafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Jane and Skander. They're, we love talking to them, and their voices are. I I could not 
tell you that they sound like the new ones in the room, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the way that they're they're contributing and writing, and it's it's a true testament, I think, to both the to both them and also to the the environment of that writers' room. Yeah, that they're able to fold in so well. Yeah, it's a happy place, the writers' room. Nobody mm-hmm. has a wrong answer. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody gets abused because they pitched something that was ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a learning curve for new people, mm-hmm. um, but uh, nobody gets put down for you know speaking out. A lot of new writers are really afraid to pitch anything, and they'll write sometimes write it on a piece of paper and hand it to. <laughs> you know, the more seasoned writer to pitch. Uh, I've seen that happen. But um, but they, they because they're performers also, they have a, a, a certain amount of self-confidence. Um, yep. And Skander's the quiet one. Yes, we've learned that. Yes, yes. He, and when, but when he does speak, it's good, you know. Yes. He'll pitch something mm-hmm. great. Um, but he waits, you know, he waits to do it. Uh, Gina's very animated, and she had that great background in um, as a sexual abuse counselor. Yes. This is why I gave them the Me Too episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just kind of handed out episodes based on what I thought people's strengths were. Mm-hmm. Um, I rely a lot on Steve Peterman, Gary Donzig. Yeah. Uh, they ran the show. Um, Mark Flanagan is beyond hilarious. Um, everything that comes out of his mouth is a gem. Most of it you can't use, but it's just <laughs> he keeps that room going and so many great jokes got in into this, uh, into everybody's scripts that were his. Uh, so yeah, it's a wonderful um, it's a wonderful family. I miss them right now. I'm sitting in the writer's room yes, we are. and they're not here. <laughs> and, uh, it feels weird. <laughs> Any specific instances that you can think of between the age dynamic that was really helpful or discussions that you guys had back and forth? Yeah, you know, the younger writers um, have a different perspective on things than we do. You know, we're just a different generation, and uh, we we let more things roll off our backs, you know, uh, especially when we were talking about the Me Too episode yeah. and how we, we worked through that. Um, I have levels, you know. We started Harvey Weinstein and, and and Bill Cosby, and we worked down to that handsy guy at the Christmas party mm-hmm. who had too much to drink. For them, there mm-hmm. are no levels. You know, it's all of a piece. So that was an interesting conversation. And, and just uh, from a gay and straight perspective, a female and male perspective, um, hearing guys say they don't know what to say anymore or do and what's going to be offend, offending, uh, what's going to offend people. Um, it was really lively, and I think we got a great script out of it because we tried to express all those points. Yeah, it's one of our favorites mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that episode. Um, so when you were approaching the revival, what were the first things that you you looked at to tackle? Was it uh, where the characters were? Was it breaking stories first? Did you, what was the first thing you thought of when you were looked at writing the revival pilot? Um, I thought about what all the characters had been doing um, mm-hmm. in this time that's passed. And I thought about the world that we're living in now. And I, I did come into the writer's room with a, a long list of areas that I thought were good candidates for episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, and and what and how this gang would come together again? Uh, mm-hmm. What would be the circumstances under which these people would all 
come back and, and, and do this again in years when you're supposed to be retiring. So um, uh, that's how I approached, you know, putting together the first one. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then as far as the, you know, the rest of the series, we spent a lot of time going through that list of, of relevant topics, um, and things that we, we wanted to explore. And, um, I mean, we certainly have enough stuff for another season for sure, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, and there's no lack of material on a daily basis. Nope. Uh, we'll probably be off the air when Mueller drops his report, but, oh. um, Oof. you know, the interesting thing is you, we were talking about the, um, Anita Hill satire. We didn't do an Anita Hill story. We did a different, not on the nose story, yeah. you know, um, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel right to do that this time around. We just went head on with the topic, yeah. Uh, yeah, as opposed to working our way around it and making it about something else, but really being about that, because everything is so fraught and chaotic now. I just felt like that was the right way to go about it, and I think mm-hmm. you know some people may feel it's too political, but I don't think there would have been a reason to come back otherwise. That's when exactly. you just leave it alone. It was what it was. It was good. It was 247 episodes. Let's not mess with it. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you want to, you know, really make a statement about things. So, um, Well, that's something that we just discussed in uh, our latest uh, revival recap uh, was the, the talk about, quote unquote, too political. And the idea that um, the show never wasn't. <laughs> political mm-hmm. uh one of the things that we always talked about we talked about with norm in that first interview was what if murphy had a twitter mm-hmm. with donald trump around it's it's the first thing you think of when you think of murphy brown was dan quill and these very relevant headlines and often political headlines so i i don't think in the world of murphy brown there's such a thing as too political yeah i mean it, you know when you're doing 247 episodes you can make a lot of them about you know, what's it like to have a baby and what do you mm-hmm. give somebody for Christmas and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not make them. Uh, but when you think you're only going to do 13, you know, you want to really make them count. So, um, mm-hmm. but by and large, the feedback that I've, I've seen and it comes onto my social media is very positive. Uh, mm-hmm. Although we did finally get on the radar of the far right. So yes, you did. <laughs> took a while yeah, but we're finally there <laughs> congratulations thank you you did it um it's been fun to see uh uh your friend katie couric popping onto this revival yeah you know she did the show before mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. she really knows how to land a joke that girl so she uh, does so she you know i i told her right from the beginning you got to come back and do mm-hmm. it again which she did yeah and we were talking was that I love the fact that she makes fun of her persona and that she's a, mm-hmm. she usually is a terrible person because she's not a terrible person from as far as I know. And that also shows a really great character to make fun of yourself and think in that yeah. capacity. Yeah, she doesn't have a problem with that, you know, because she is such a good person and mm-hmm. such a sweet person. Um, but she does have a devilish side to her, you know, and uh, and she does, you know, like to... Uh, make fun of herself, which is something that we, you know, we love about her. So, 
Yeah. Well, I know um, before the revival, you were working with her on a morning show type script. Yeah. Was there anything from that research or working with her on that that ended up being helpful for Murphy? I actually took pieces of that um, and put it into into the 13 oh, episodes. Great. Yeah, so that it wouldn't, you know, die for nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, little bits and pieces here and there. Um, lines of dialogue jokes, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Uh, that I really liked, um, and and uh, yeah, that was disappointing. We we had a great time working together. We had Michelle Pfeiffer yeah, as our it star. So great. HBO was very competitive in their bid for it. Um, everybody wanted it, and um, and then the management changed over there at HBO. Oh. This is what mm-hmm. happens a lot, you know. Yeah. Television is. Uh, operates at lightning speed so if they keep you in development for a year year and a half there's a good chance that somebody that you started working with is not going to be there when uh when you're ready to turn it in so um i mean look at even murphy you know the first um on the pilot episode uh, or the first season there was a big change of management mm-hmm. over at cbs so uh and it's happening again right now yeah. so you know gotta act fast <laughs> yeah really so I know we've we've talked a little we've talked about a lot of the characters, but we haven't really touched on Frank mm-hmm. uh, very much. Uh, I know we probably had a lot of headcanon ideas about what where we thought Frank might be coming into this revival, mm-hmm. and where uh, what was the decision making behind whether or not uh, Frank would still be the uh, the single looking and ready to mingle guy versus settle down. For the revival, yeah, I you know there was that was a big a big decision. You know how um, uh, how far away from who these characters were did did we want to? You know, if we had him with a wife and kids, uh, I think it would have uh, had a uh, an impact on on his relationship with Murphy that yeah. they wouldn't have been able to spend too much time together, and it would just have altered things in a way that. I didn't want to alter, you know. I wanted mm-hmm. people to recognize the show, but I still felt like these characters need to to have grown somewhat from where we left them. But I didn't want to radically alter their lives, um, and so we decided not to give him a wife and kids, even though we think he would be the world's greatest dad. Yeah, um, that's what we said too. <laughs> yes. we, we, but she is though. He is for Avery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that scene uh, in a show that just aired where Frank is beat up and yeah. and Avery Ugh. comes with the cannolis. It's so great. I have been, I had kept telling the writers, I want this scene somewhere. I want a scene between the two of them where we really mm-hmm. see that father-son relationship. And, um, and then Tom Palmer turned in his script, and I <laughs> kept torturing him and saying... There's a missing scene here. There's a missing scene. <laughs> this is what I think it is. And I said, I think there's a scene between Frank and Avery in the hospital. And he said, well, mm-hmm. what are they doing in there? You know, what are they <laughs> going to talk about? And I said, you figure it out. He literally came back a half an hour later with that scene. Oh, wow. as And we that's as written. Um, that's what we filmed. So, yeah. And it's one of my favorite scenes in the series. Yeah. I love it because it, yeah. it, it shows you what we all had assumed that mm-hmm. Avery yes. was, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much his father, him and Eldon. Mm-hmm. And, and you see a history, but you also see a connection there mm-hmm. and, and how important yeah. they are to each other. Yeah. It's really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. 
The, and if he had his own kids, I don't think we would have been able to play that. Yeah, no, you're right. No. And I think that's something we hadn't thought of. Well, and those those two actors are just so giving. We've talked about Jake, but also Joe. I mean, the way that he, the way that he listens as an actor, mm-hmm. is really incredible. And those lines just seem so natural. And there's so much behind the two of them as they listen to each other in that scene. They really understood. Yeah, you're looking. Yeah. You're looking at two wonderful actors mm-hmm. at the top of their game. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Joe hasn't skipped a beat. Mm-hmm. He always had this wonderful naturalistic quality about him. He doesn't yes. go too far on his jokes. He's just got mm-hmm. a, a great um, grounded uh, presence as, a, as an actor. And mm-hmm. so does Jake. And I, I yeah, again, I, I just love that scene. And especially since it, it happened at the last minute in the writing, yeah. you know. Happy accidents, Mm -hmm. I think, sometimes in writing really are the... I think there's a quality to that, and not to be too much of a downer, but to what I think we were all kind of missing, not having our Eldon around and having those those emotional connections. And so I think that is something we were really craving from Frank, because we, we wouldn't have Joe there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there there's, you know, we miss, we miss that bobby pastorelli connection a lot too but we we've we've uh referenced him and we reference him again in an upcoming episode Mm -hmm. visually um with a mural and Mm -hmm. it's really lovely so um and jane muskie our um production designer did some photoshopping with some (laughs) photographs in avery's room it's great yeah the nice. the running with the bulls was expertly <laughs> tossed into that pilot episode. Yeah. Well, they toasted him and they looked at the ceiling. Yeah. No, that was great. Industrial <laughs> Revolution mural. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it. And then also, uh, speaking of those we have lost, is uh, the uh, Pat Corley's absence filled with the incredible Tyne Daly. Yeah. How about that Tyne? Oh. She's a force of nature, but boy, she. She is so amazing. The fact that she's doing a play right now, oh, the yeah. Cherry Lane, it's a three-person play, and she has a lot to do. And she, the fact that she was holding that play in her head while she was doing our show is mind-boggling yeah, to me. I that agree. She can mm-hmm. do that. Um, yeah, she's all about the detail. You don't just tell Tyne to walk into the kitchen and then re-enter mm-hmm. she needs to know what she's doing in there specifically mm-hmm. and if you can't tell her she's going to come up with it <laughs> and all her business that she does with the glasses and the coffee pot and the coasters and all that she oh. invents all that for herself you know to make her character feel very real to her mm-hmm. yeah i love there was a moment i think it was the last episode uh where uh an extra was kind of in her way oh yeah <laughs> And she just made it part of the scene. Yeah. I, I need this for a customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, something that a lot of people have been asking us to speak about, and we spoke about with Grant a bit, you are not referencing anything that happened when you weren't on the show. Correct. Now, <laughs> we're fine with that. Uh, <laughs> but I'd love to talk a little bit about the detail of that. And uh-huh. is, is that that you are completely ignoring it or you're just not going to mention it? Are you talking about uh Faith and Grant. Well, that's the big one. There are other things too, but that's the big one. Well, that one, I I never would have done that. 
Yeah, um, we're not fans that, of it. To me, that's like when you start marrying the characters off to mm-hmm. each other, that's like eating your young. Yeah. So, yeah. Feels I, very Jump the Shark. It, it's not happening on my watch. So, no, it never happened. Yay. Just erase it from your <laughs> memories. <laughs> done and done. Erase. <laughs> No, and when we also spoke about uh, with Grant is that it, it also has to be hard not only to marry to an idea that was not your idea, mm-hmm. but to uh, remember things that you did not come up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you know um, after Corby and Steve and Gary left the show in episode uh, season six, mm-hmm. um, I, I was on to other things and I wasn't really watching the show. Yeah. You know, it's hard to watch the show, and it started to drift, you know. And uh, so, you know, probably should have ended at, at the end of episode, se- um, I keep saying episode, season seven. Mm-hmm. But we went to ten, and uh, a nice round number, and, and uh, Candace and I said, we'll do ten. She wanted me to come back. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's what we did. But How was that coming back after things being so different? You know, the show had gotten so broad yeah. that when I wrote an episode, it didn't feel funny enough to them. Oh. You know, it felt like it needed more punching up, you know. But it's the way I had always... Yeah. It's just like when you tune in start to see characters dancing on the coffee table... You know, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's hard to pull back from that. They had gotten used to a bigger, broader mm-hmm. uh, way of performing the show, so so that was uh, interesting. Um, but you know, we picked a, a t- you know we picked a theme. You know, the the breast cancer theme, um, just giving Murphy the biggest challenge of her yeah. life, because uh, what is left for her really. Um, and we thought we could sort of, you know, maybe do some good at the same time. And apparently we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so many women went and got their first mammograms that, you know, needed yeah. to have them. So that, uh, that was good. Um, but it was like another ending for me, too. I had already made my piece in 1992 mm-hmm. and then did it again. And then we just went through it again, you know, so <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day. On the 10th season, what was your day-to-day, I guess, uh, uh, I don't want to say activities, but what was your inclusion in the, for the 10th season? I was, um, I forget what my title was, but I was, um, I I was consulting. consulting. Ex- yeah. yeah, I was consulting, and I was not there on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I was there for all the development up front, and... Um, and then I went off to Martha's Vineyard, and they would send me every draft of every script, and then I would make my notes on it, and um, uh, I would review all the rough cuts. Oh, you, were, you did. Um, and give my notes on that. But as far as people on the stage there mm-hmm. every day, that wasn't me until yeah. the last couple. That was something that I had not realized and think until mm-hmm. recently, which is why I wanted to talk to you yeah. about it. But it. it it feels so different, season 10 from season mm-hmm, 9. Just, mm-hmm. like, completely different. And I feel like that has to be your influence. As well as Mark, too. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, but I think it was just this trying to pull it back yeah. from the big, broad thing that it had become. I, I, I think we both yeah. agree with that. So we also, um, I do want to throw a few questions over to, to Twitter. 
because um, we asked for um, oh, sure. questions that the that our our listeners and your audience might have, and a couple of them you actually already answered mm-hmm. early on. So well done. <laughs> you know what they want. Um, one of them is uh, something that we've also talked about, which is um, a lot of fans want to know: Is there anything that they can do to let decision makers know that they want? another season. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, there's a hashtag that got started now. It's called uh, hashtag Renew Murphy Brown. And I think it would be great if people did that, you know, right. hashtag. Mm-hmm. Because um, the network does pay a lot of attention to what goes on online. And ratings now, traditional Nielsen ratings, are almost antiquated. Um, mm-hmm. because people don't necessarily watch television the way they used to. Yeah. They don't sit in their living yeah. room and watch television. They DVR it and they blow through all the commercials or they, they watch it online. Uh, mm-hmm. They watch it on their uh, phones, on their iPads. And, mm-hmm. and measuring audience that way now is just as significant as actually who's sitting in front of the box in their living room so Mm -hmm. uh, and and if you're talking about the show too you know people talk about our show after the show airs yeah Uh, there's a lot of chatter about it and they pay attention to that so um yeah just cbs has its own uh social media and they should just all go Mm -hmm. on it and flood it and shows have been revived that way oh yeah they absolutely have Mm -hmm. well something we talked about was the the incredible Twitter reaction to the Thanksgiving yeah. taking episode yeah, yeah. and how much that, I mean, that brought people who had not watched any of the episodes yeah. to watch that. Mm-hmm. And now they're going back and watching the rest of it. So uh-huh. I think it is really important for our listeners to understand that these things happen because of their active engagement. Yes, exactly. And it's, and, and it's, it carries so much more weight than it used to. Mm-hmm. And I do, I would, I would argue that at this point, looking at, the day after CBS All Access, looking at, I mean, I watch all of my TV through my PlayStation mm-hmm. on my TV, not an actual uh, TV package. And all those things are now far more important than who's watching it live because your your core demographic is not, the, especially the younger demographic, is not watching live anymore. Mm-hmm. Everything's getting recorded and watching day after or an hour later. Yeah. And they have this new thing now called Live Plus 3 and Live yeah. Plus 7. Mm-hmm. So they measure your rating um for the time that it actually airs on that day. And mm-hmm. then so many more people catch up with it during the week. Yeah. So they they then publish a rating that takes into account all the various platforms over a seven-day mm-hmm. period. And over a seven-day period, we've averaged 9.1 million viewers. So, Oof. yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big jump. It's almost double mm-hmm. what it is for yeah. when the, the show actually mm-hmm. airs live. Murphy Brown is the only thing I watch live, and I, I stream it from my computer to my TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, we don't have a, a package as well, and nope. everything I do is streaming. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we will definitely um, also be sending out hashtag Renew Murphy Brown, yeah. making sure that everyone's joining us in that. Um, there's another one that uh, is something that we talked about when we were looking at the revival coming out, and we were wondering, is a couple people asked this, is are there any episodes from the classic series that you would like to tackle again in a different way in the revival? Oh, well, she can't be pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> or can she? <laughs> um, 
you know, maybe another, uh, maybe another uh, Senate hearing. Uh, who knows? You know what's <laughs> in the future. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think our, our tendency is to not want to repeat ourselves, you know, but sure. because there's so much more new yeah. every day, we're mm-hmm. being flooded. But uh, I will think about that. When we talked about the revival coming out, one of the ones that I'm in, intrigued by because I think that the topic is still very uh, present. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on if you had to tackle Set Me Free again uh-huh. and the shooter. Yeah. If that's something you think you even would tackle these days. Uh, no, I don't think so. We wanted to do something on gun, the gun control debate. And mm-hmm. we went around and around and around, and then we got exhausted, and then we, mm-hmm. you know, we had half of a show, and then mm-hmm. I, our feeling was there's always going to be another mass shooting, sadly, yeah. mm-hmm. and that yeah. it would feel insensitive if the show aired mm-hmm. a, a couple days before, a couple days after. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons we had Corky pull out a gun, you know, oh, yeah. and, and that was kind of our way of dealing with that without making it a whole episode. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it still bothers me that we haven't cracked that one, you know, but I just really worry about either the episode being pulled, mm-hmm. you know, never airing or just feeling like insensitive. So it's a tricky That's one. A- yeah. Uh, it's a big topic. Yeah, so I don't think we'd yeah. have a shooter on the set, like you know. No. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people also were asking about guest stars because that's always been a big uh-huh. staple of the show, and I was wondering, for at least my benefit, if you yeah. would talk a bit about Jay Thomas. Oh God! Oh Jay, we loved him so much. Um, he actually came in and read for Frank. I heard that. Yeah, and um, and he wasn't right for Frank. He's he it was too edgy for Frank. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know, a very popular DJ too. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a Howard Stern type of guy. Um, not quite that far, but getting there. And um, and then when I thought about this Jerry, Go- but I just thought he did a great reading, and I I really liked him a lot. And so when it was time to cast Jerry Gold, I immediately thought of him, and um, we loved this odd chemistry that he had with Candace. Um, we, we just thought, what a unusual choice for a love interest. <laughs> but we really liked it and it really worked and we, we kept having him back. And then when I was casting Love and War, I just, it had to be Jay. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting thing about Jay is that he has that really flinty, edgy exterior, that persona, but what a softy inside. He mm-hmm. would cry at the drop of a hat, you know. Um, he was such a sensitive person. When we lost John Hancock, mm-hmm. oh yeah, six episodes into Love and War, he played our bartender, uh, and he passed away suddenly. Jay was inconsolable. Um, and... So people don't really, that's not what he puts out publicly, but, you know, so we knew all those sides of him, and he's just, oh, gosh, if he was around, we would most definitely be (laughs) having him back. Well, it's interesting what you say about him, because that's what I always loved about the character of Jerry Gold, is Mm -hmm. that that's what he had. He had sort of this, you know, uh, soft inside that got revealed, even though he had the, uh, I guess you'd say, you know, hard shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he offered to help Murphy take care of her baby and you know so Mm -hmm. yeah he was great 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 now 
I have a question that um, I feel would have been my Twitter submission uh-huh. if I was a listener, which was, what was it like being um, the face of Haynes pantyhose? Yes, please speak about that. The face of pantyhose. <laughs> well, the legs. <laughs> the legs uh, of Haynes pantyhose. Oh, well, um, that was an interesting opportunity. Um, for some reason, I think it goes back to the Golden Globes when we won uh, for best series. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing a very short dress, as was the style then. Um, and they noticed over there at the Haynes Panios (laughs) headquarters. Um, and they were, uh, Judith Jameson, the great, um, ballet dancer was their first celebrity. Uh, but they were retiring her and moving on to, then they moved on to Tina Turner and then it Mm -hmm. was, uh, they needed somebody else. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I became a recognizable person as a showrunner which is really strange we've, we've spoken about that yeah you're yeah. sort of the I rare sort of, yeah. quality yeah i don't know why but um so i got offered a few things uh, um there was a Stuart scotch uh, campaign mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that they were using uh real people for and there was a um uh what was the t-shirt white t-shirt one um they offered me that but i thought I'm going to do the pantyhose one because then I don't have to buy them for a year. Smart choice. <laughs> that is so smart. And um, the photographer was Matthew Ralston, who did so many wonderful magazine covers. And I remember going into the uh, dressing room and they had racks and racks of clothes to choose from and shoes and jewelry mm. and the stylist and the uh, the the names of people who were doing my hair and makeup were people who, who did Vogue covers, you know. So wow. it was like this it's whole a beautiful picture, fantasy mm-hmm. experience for <laughs> for uh, you know a day. But the um, the client Haynes, they had their contingent there, and they would huddle in a corner. And I'd come out in an outfit, and they'd huddle, and they'd talk, and they'd send me back in and change something. So, you know, it was a little taste of what the advertising world is like. They're like the network, you know, and you're the mm-hmm. artist. Um, but it was really fun, and um, and a lot of people saw it. And and I started getting letters, handwritten letters from prisoners. No, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Diane. Oh, anyway, that was... Um, that was that. I do have one final question. Something that has brought up a lot lately is the fact that uh, Murphy is considered under the umbrella of unlikable characters, a woman who is mm-hmm. not trying to please, mm-hmm. who has faults and mm-hmm. has flaws. Mm-hmm. Can you speak about that in uh, context of when you wrote it and today? Um, uh, you know, the word likable for actresses is, you know, sometimes it makes the hair stand up Mm -hmm. on the back of your neck Uh because there's this, you know, she's got to be likable. She's got to be likable. Um, I think there's a difference between somebody who's a people pleaser Mm -hmm. and somebody who's likable. You know, Mm -hmm. Candace's character, Murphy is, is not a people pleaser, but I hate to use the word, but she is likable because she is in the, body of Candace Bergen, who just has that quality about her that can play a very flawed character and still um, not alienate people. 
And uh, that's, that's really a tribute to her because if I put those words into somebody else's mouth, another actress's mouth, um, it might be a whole different ball game. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, and, you know, we still, we still, uh, she still speaks without much of a filter. She still kind of bulldozes her way through things in this version of the show. But again, those scenes with her son, you know, really, uh, we never wanted to, you know, sandpaper those edges off her at all. But, um, but she gets a chance to show this other side of herself. And, and by the way, she was not the greatest mother in the world, as he often points yeah. out. There was no food <laughs> yeah. in the refrigerator. Uh, she, we're having a lot of fun with this other aspect of her where she's really thrifty. You know, she yeah, all, always it. was a little cheap, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jesse pointed that out. I hadn't noticed it as much when we watched yeah. season one. And I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah. She's so cheap and I love it. Yeah. You know, how much she spent on the turkey and how much she calculated <laughs> what each person's portion was going to cost and her bed, bath, and beyond coupons. And well, that I understand. So, yes. This is we my, all do. Yes. my obsession, oh, yes. obsessed with them. It's, it's, it's bad. And they come on my phone now, so I, I get an alert and yep. I go, you know, I should really use this. I should go buy something. <laughs> yes. They're very smart. <laughs> uh, you have said that uh, you and Candace have become more and more like Murphy as you've gotten older. Uh, do you think you are more Murphy now than ever? Um, yeah, I find myself blurting things out. I think I'm a blurter. <laughs> uh, that happened to us as we were making the series. You know, um, I think Candace and I both had a little bit of a people pleaser aspect to our personalities. And we started living vicariously through Murphy and seeing that you didn't die if you said something, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm that that you wish you would have said um and so i think as you get older you become a little bit more of who you really are Mm -hmm. and uh a little bit more saturated you know and uh i'm uh but i i i feel like i've mellowed a lot too i used to lose my temper i you know i used to um uh, be very tough on on people in in some aspects, but I um, I'm just right now so grateful for this gift that's been given to us mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, I do let more roll off my back. So um, yeah, but uh, yeah, neither one of us suffer, suffers fools very easily uh, anymore. Do, don't keep us waiting in a restaurant. Both of us will. <laughs> You'll have to deal with both of us. (laughs) Well, I will say that as uh, somebody who grew up with a Murphy Brown on my screen as as an example, it definitely informed who I was as a young woman, who I am now as an adult woman, and gave me the permission to have a voice and be the cardinal sin of bossy (laughs) and to... To be outspoken and to figure out that, you know, you, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and being brave in the face of it. I'm just so glad that another generation gets to see her again um, because I Murphy Brown was so instrumental in informing my my voice. That is so lovely I just want to thank hear. you. Yeah, and same. Yeah. And, and with the revival and us doing this podcast, it's something that... I know I'd always known, mm-hmm. but to revisit it as an adult mm-hmm. to see how much of the show influenced me as a person uh-huh. has um, has been monumental to me. Great. Mm-hmm. 
Great. And it's been nice to see you every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to be seen. You guys are like the keeper of the fl- you know, keepers of the flame because you'll say oh. things we don't even remember. I mean, for those who are listening, sometimes we have to call these gals to find out <laughs> it, if we did that. Did we do that already on the show or where where did we film that? So, yeah, it's been it's been um, wonderful getting to know you both and oh, having you here. around. So it's a yeah. you've been a hero of ours and um, mm-hmm. you definitely lived up to our expectations. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> In fact, um, we got you a little gift. Oh, Hold on. yes. All right. So we didn't get anyone else a gift, but this is so this is more like a, a lifetime gift. Um, yes. Mostly to make you laugh. And also for something we know that you like. Well, okay. we have been uh, we have been discussing it for a yes, while, so yes. we're very excited to be able to give it to you in person I'm here now. Excited! Wow. Okay, I'm opening a box. <gasps> what is this? Can I say this now on the podcast? Sure, we'll probably bleep you, but go ahead. <laughs> this is great. Um, <laughs> I'm a delicate flower embroidered on a wonderful pair of socks which i will wear proudly and that's and for your collection here is oh my goodness oh how wonderful so it's a compact yes with a lobster and a girl running from the lobster looks <laughs> she's, like, she's coyly, she's coyly, like, coyly, yeah i don't know what's happening there yeah we're not really sure what's <laughs> happening but she she might she might be dating the lobster at some that, point yeah. yeah that okay um <laughs> that is wonderful thank you so much Thank you. You're welcome. welcome. And happy holidays to everybody. And thank you for everybody who's listening. Supporting the show means an awful lot to us. Yes, it does. We we are happy to support something that we are enjoying. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. So we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Diane. I know that we did. Uh, I loved getting all these like unique insights into who she is and what this, this journey for her has been. And this journey just refuses to stop it's it's a really really cool kind of symbiotic relationship diane and murphy yeah and we hope that you enjoyed it thanks everyone for your twitter questions we're sorry if we didn't get all of them in may perhaps next time we will uh but we we covered a lot of ground in this episode mm-hmm. which was great i think it's what we, we really both wanted yes it was it was lovely thank you again diane for your time yes, thank you diane and the respect of your honesty it was it was a wonderful conversation and we hope you guys enjoy the finale of the revival tonight we will be yeah enjoy it we'll be talking about it uh, in the new year we'll we'll talk to you then thanks for listening to another edition of fyi the murphy brown podcast (laughs) 